Welcome to our exchanges at Goldman Sachs Markets Update for Friday, July 17th. Each week, we check in with leaders across the firm to get their quick take on what they're watching in markets. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And my guest today is Jim Esposito, Global Co-Head of our Global Markets Division. Jim will talk about the once-in-a-lifetime quarter that just wrapped up, historic by any measure, the way that trading and client relationships have changed since the pandemic began, and what he's focused on next. Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jake. I hope you're keeping safe and sane. As best I can. Let's start big picture with how you'd characterize the second quarter. We had a serious financial crisis that began late in the first quarter, a dramatic switch to remote trading for your business, and a lot of volatility. As you look back on the quarter, how do you think you'll remember what happened? Yeah, Jake, I've been at the firm now for a large number of years. And so I've had a front row seat to numerous you know, difficult and challenging periods for global markets. And when I think about the arc of my career across these challenging periods, while there are some similarities, each one of these is unique and very different in terms of what characterizes a volatile market. I suppose in many ways, you know, while history doesn't repeat, it oftentimes does rhyme. And so when I think about this period, for me, this quarter was about Goldman Sachs demonstrating a lot of grit. It was a very gritty performance. And that's true for our people, but it's also true when I think about our technology resilience. When I think about putting up one of our stronger quarters in the past 10 years, and I layer that on top of the fact that 98% of our trading floor employees we're working from home. If you told me we were able to do that before we actually did, I wouldn't have believed you and I would have taken the other side of that bet. You know, this COVID period has been challenging. It's been draining and exhausting for our people. You know, the global economy pretty much shut down overnight. And so that created a tremendous amount of stress and strain on our clients. And our people showed up and really were front-footed in terms of being in front of clients. So as you said, the economy shut down overnight, but the markets never shut. And so what we saw was what markets do best is sort of reprice the future. And that involved a lot of volatility because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's still a lot of uncertainty. You're helping clients navigate through that in a very different environment. How have those relationships with clients changed through that period, strengthened, weakened? And we talk a lot about client centricity here. How did that look during the pandemic? Yeah, Jake, one of the things we said at our January Investor Day was the material investment we're making in our client franchise. And to your point, really reinforcing a lot of client centricity. That's true firm-wide, but I suppose nowhere was that more needed or more acute than the business that I'm responsible for in global markets. We've been at this now for about two years, and we're pleased to report when we look at our client rankings and our share of the overall client wallet, it has been steadily increasing for the past two years, but that really accelerated in the first half of this year. And I think the reason for that is, you know, when things go bump in the night, clients tend to turn to Goldman Sachs with a greater frequency. And so when markets get difficult, when liquidity is tougher to source, those are the sorts of phone calls that we get with a greater frequency. And this period in and around COVID with the stresses and strains in the capital markets, there was an increase in client activity. They were more challenging markets to navigate. 
And that's a very Goldman Sachs type market. So just an investor day, which feels like a lifetime ago, what was really just in January, you laid out some ROE targets for your division. You've already exceeded them. I think you've already doubled them pretty much. How do you think about the business going forward? What are the chances to add on from here, what, to go from strength to strength? Or are these returns sustainable as we hopefully get back to a slightly more normal environment? Yeah, let's first level set where we've been and where we are now. You know, last year was characterized with the division putting up, you know, call it high single-digit returns. In January, we laid out a three-year business plan where we discussed getting to above an 11% return on tangible equity. And in the first half of this year, we're currently exceeding 20%. So we're well, well exceeding what was a three-year business plan. And I think it really demonstrates the operating leverage that we have in this business. Now, for me, the big aha moment in our Investor Day plan was the fact that we recommitted to these businesses. We didn't talk about retrenching. We didn't talk about shrinking in global markets. We recommitted to being global, broad, and deep. The reason we did that is we think that's what our clients want from Goldman Sachs. And the other reason we did that, when we look at where we are right now, the operating leverage in this business, we knew with slightly more client revenues, this business would well exceed its cost of capital. And that's exactly what happened in this quarter. Now, client volumes picked up. When volatility increases, bid offer spreads tend to widen out a little bit. And all of that fell to the bottom line. It's not as if we had to go out and hire a bunch more salespeople, traders, engineers, or technologists. We were able to handle the increased client flow with the team that we had on the field. And I think that speaks to operating leverage. And you saw that in our returns this quarter. So technology is a key part of the story. You mentioned that in the second quarter and during COVID. With remote work, what are the biggest learnings to come out of this? How do you think it might change the trading floor of the future? And how do you think about how we invest in technology going forward? Look, I'd say with each passing year at Goldman Sachs, I have a greater appreciation and a greater reliance on just how important great technologists and engineers are to our success. And when I think about the pivot we made, and it was an incredibly fast and efficient pivot to recreate the ecosystem that is a trading floor and recreating that environment with 98% of our people working from home, we couldn't have done that as well as we did if we didn't have a world-class set of technologists and engineers, and they did their job phenomenally well. During that period in March, when we were really dealing with the height of volatility, and elevated client volumes. Now, the first thing I did every day is I'd wake up before logging in, I'd say a prayer that our risk management systems and our execution trading systems with clients were going to operate efficiently, not because I didn't have faith, but because it was just such a new environment. The scale of what we accomplished using technology was unheard of, And there are technologists and engineers, they held up incredibly well, and they really provided us with a very robust technology stack. Now, great technologists and the importance of our engineering group goes beyond just the tech stack that we're running on a day-in and day-out basis. Now, I'd call out two or three other areas of importance. The first is the investment that we're making in our Marquee platform. Marquee is our global markets division's digital storefront. 
It's the ecosystem that we want our clients to live in and to consume everything that they need and want to take out of Goldman Sachs. That would include content, whether it's research content or sales and trading color. It would include risk analytics. It would include data sources, execution services, and of course, ultimately, click to trade with Goldman Sachs. Marquee is our ecosystem. And what we found during this period, our clients were engaged with it more than ever before. And so, of course, it wasn't only Goldman Sachs that was working from home. The entirety of our client franchise was doing the same. And the efficiency of that ecosystem became incredibly important during this period. And I really liked the growth prospects that I saw with Marquee during the stresses and strains that we saw in the capital markets. There's a bunch of other platforms that we're also focused on where we're making a big investment. If I think about the largest client gap that we have in the division, it's with better servicing systematic quantitative funds in the equity division. And so we have a reasonably sized gap that we're looking to close to better service and support systematic funds. And the number one way we're going to do that is by having a world-class execution tech stack. And here you have to have one that's robust globally to connect to a bunch of individual markets, including in the emerging markets globally. And we're currently in the process of reinforcing and really rebuilding the entirety of that tech stack that we hope systematic clients will find valuable and ultimately will lead to deeper relationships with those clients. If we get it right with systematic clients, we'll also be able to migrate that stack and use it more prominently across the entirety of our equity global franchise. And so when I think of my role now atop the division in terms of managing our operations, you know, technology, the robustness of it, how clients engage with us, it's not only top of mind, it's literally one of the most important things that I do on a daily basis. So beyond Marquee, do you see other areas for growth? Obviously, you could grow the digital footprint and better interact with clients for your division. We have a large number of strategic growth initiatives across both equities and fixed income. Now, one of the things we've been talking a lot about is growing our financing revenues, and that's true in equities, but it's equally true in fixed income. But when I think about the single biggest opportunity for us, it's this continued investment in client centricity, putting clients you know, front and center in everything we do. And the progress we're making, I think the good news is we're seeing material progress, but equally, I think there's a lot more client wallet share that we can gain in the coming years. And so we've been busy closing client gaps wherever they exist, but we're by no means exhausted with that effort. When we look at things like the top 100 clients globally and where we rank in the top three with those top 100 clients, again, we're making progress but I'd say there's sufficient runway in front of us that if we keep executing flawlessly in terms of our client engagement and client franchise, I think we can still demonstrate very, very significant growth in our global markets division. So Jim, it looks like you've been back in the office a bit. What has it felt like? And how do you feel about socially distanced trading floor? How's that going to work? 
Yeah, I've been back now for a couple of weeks. And when I reflect on this period, and when I you know, talk to a bunch of clients, uh, a bunch of Goldman Sachs professionals, you're really struck by you know, just how personal this period has been for everyone. And everyone's got a different set of circumstances and experiences. And COVID has impacted you know, people globally in a very, very different way. Now, I can say on a personal level, I was working from home for a couple of months and it was just, you know, really a nice period in the sense of, you know, it was a period where I think I formed a deeper family bound. I have three teenage boys, two of whom were at boarding school. You know, they came back to do homeschooling and it was a really fantastic time to spend time with the family. I was working from home. They were doing homeschooling and those connections were something that wouldn't have happened as easily. And so it was a special, special time. Now that I'm back in the office, you know, we are getting up and running here in London. We have about 25% of our trading floor employees back in the office. We are functioning, I think, in a very efficient manner. You know, we are running a socially distanced trading floor, which does have its unique challenges. But the thing that we believe in at Goldman Sachs, I'd say, is you know, there are a couple of reasons why over time we are going to make a bigger pivot and have people come back to the office. Now, the first is, you know, our intake out of universities is quite significant. You know, it's incredibly important. It's really the lifeblood of our organization to take in, you know, really quality junior people and train them up. And so when I think about running our trading businesses, we need to train the next generation of trader, salesperson, engineer, and strategist. And to do that, I think we have to come together in a very apprentice-based model that is harder to do virtually than it is physically. And now that we're getting into the time of year where people are coming into Goldman to start their careers, we're very focused on how we're going to get them trained up. And I think it is going to be important for us to get people back. You know, the second thing I'd say is just around how people come together when they collaborate. I think that's when innovation happens. And I think we will be more innovative with our people you know, working together and coming together physically, I think innovation has stalled a little bit, even though we have been operating efficiently working from home. And so those are things that we've been thinking a lot about. Now, look, my last point around this would be, I think there are going to be some things from this period that we borrow and take through to be a very different operating and business model in the future. I definitely believe we'll be able to be more flexible with our workforce. Clearly, we demonstrate it. We can operate efficiently and put up solid results with people working from home. And so the idea or notion that we will have a more flexible workforce, which I like to think can foster more diversity in the workplace, is absolutely something that we're thinking through. How much flexibility for whom? How will it all work? I wouldn't say we're that far along in terms of our thoughts around it. But I definitely envision a working model that will be more flexible in the future. And I think if that working model is more flexible, that should ultimately help champion and foster a more diverse workforce. No doubt about that, if we can get there. And I agree, it's very different for those of us who have experience and connections and networks. For us to be out of the office for a little while, we can draw on that experience, draw on those people. Much different for someone who's starting up in the industry or in any industry, just trying to learn that. Thanks for joining us today, Jim. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Jake. It was good to be here. That's all for this week's Markets Update on Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. In case you missed it, 
Check out our other episode this week with Steve Strongen on ESG investing and a new report he has out in that space. Thanks for listening and hope everyone has a safe and healthy weekend. This podcast was recorded on Thursday, July 16th, 2020. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.